always that we would be listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Are you a lawyer? How many people think there are lawyers in here? Raise your hand. Okay. How many don't think they're lawyers? Raise your hands. Really? You don't think you're lawyers? Okay, just put your hands down. You know what? I bet every single one of you are a lawyer. Okay? This is um, a fairly um, well-known Bible passage, and it says uh, in Luke 10:25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Tempted who? Tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, who's he? Jesus said unto him, what is written in the law? What is written? You tell me. What's written in the law that you need to do to have eternal life? And what did he say? What? Say it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, and the lawyer said, what did the lawyer do? The lawyer said unto him, oh, Jesus said unto him, this do and thou shalt live. Oh, you know what? Ah, what a horrible thing. The bottom verse is like down off the bottom of the screen. But he, it says in verse 29, willing to justify himself. This is what the lawyer did. Willing to justify himself said, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus told him the story about the Good Samaritan. Okay? And, you know, you know the story about the Good Samaritan, right? Okay. So, let's talk about this. Are you a lawyer? All of you raised your hands, almost all of you, and said, no, you're not a lawyer. But I think you are. Do you have... How many people have had their mother or father tell them something in the last 48 hours and you didn't want to do it? Raise your hand. Okay? So I would like some examples on what you did when you didn't want to do it. What, did you say anything or did you just not do it? What did you do? Somebody. Oh, you, did it, you didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway. That's a good one. Okay. What else? You didn't do it. So did you just not do it, or did you talk to your mom and dad about it? You just didn't do it? I told them I wasn't going to do it. You told them you weren't going to do it. And did you give them a reason? Oh, that's good. Wow. Did anybody give them a reason? No, no reason. You didn't say, but, but, I, I have, you know, take out the trash. Oh, but I have to do my homework. Okay, yeah. You said that? that just like that. I have to take, but I have to do my homework. And, it, and those are mutually exclusive things, right? You can't do your homework and take out the trash. You just can't do that, okay? I would say that 
all of you, all of us are, are lawyers, really, because we all know the law. Okay? Lawyers know the law. What are some of the laws that we have? Let's just say in our, in our household. What are some of the laws in your house? Give me a law. Jordan, give me a law. Yeah, what's the law in your house? No swearing. Okay, that's the law in his house. Well, give me another law. Do you have bedtime? Yeah, Kim. You have to be in the house by midnight? That's another law. Be in bed by 8.30 p.m.? Okay. Wesley. Only fires in the fireplace. What an excellent law that is. Okay. Now, you know these laws. You know a lot more laws, right? But do you ever try to get around those laws? Okay. Now, sometimes you just, you just don't do them, right? You start fires in random other places than the fireplace. Okay. But sometimes uh, you try to justify your position. You say, you know, you, you know, maybe there's a law that you have to eat everything on your plate. Does anybody have that law? Yeah? But you try to say, oh, but I'm... Well, oh, you know the answer for that one. Okay? Okay? We, we, we're lawyers. All of us are lawyers. Okay? We're all lawyers in our own way. Now, is being a lawyer a good thing? Okay, we've got to be careful here because, you know, it's a nice profession and we don't want to bash the lawyers, right? Okay? Um, but in this particular instance, uh, is being a lawyer a good thing? In this particular instance, in this set of verses, it's not. Okay. Pass him down. Pass him down. Pass him down. Pass him down. Everybody at least gets one. Maybe more, but most everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Come on, you're not passing around. Okay, guys, don't be talking. Look. Look at that M&M. How do you make an M&M? Take a peanut? Yeah, some of them are peanut M&Ms. Okay, peanuts and then chocolate and then food coloring. Okay, Jordan, what did you say? Okay, you take chocolate and you cover it with sugar. It's, it's that simple, isn't it? There's nothing to it. No? What do you mean no? Is there more to it? Tell me more. Hold on, hold on. Hannah. Okay, you have to mold the chocolate. So, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Here. Hannah got the first point. You got the chocolate center. How do you get that chocolate center? You mold it. Okay. And then, what else did you say? You got the colors. Okay, you got to dye the colors. And then, look on the candy outside. Look at that candy outside. What's, is there anything special about that candy outside? 
Colorful? What else? What? There's an M? It's smooth. How do you get a smooth? How did they get that, that candy coating on the outside of that chocolate? How? Tell me. Dip it? Oh, excellent. Do you dip it? You dip it? Okay, so you dip it, and then what? You, you put it somewhere, you let it dry in midair? It floats in midair. No, do you set it on something? On wax paper. Let's say you set it on wax paper. Wouldn't there be a flat spot? Huh? Huh? What can be hard? Oh, the chocolate could be hard. I agree. They probably have it cold. So you don't put it in, you don't put this chocolate into a warm, huh? Little air vents that float them? Now, how many M&Ms do you think that they make? Okay, they make two a day. 400 million a day, I think they say. Okay, there's a lot of little air vents floating over there. But I think the key here is, the key here is that, you know what? Even though M&Ms, look, making an M&M looks really simple. What do you say? said, easy. It's easy. Even though making an M&M looks really easy, there's really a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, and a lot of work that go into producing M&Ms. Yeah. No, this is true, but who made those machines? Some guy. There's a little guy. You know what? I bet a hundred different guys run this whole big factory on how to make M&Ms, and they make 400 million a day. Okay? So there's a lot. And machinery does it. There's a lot of mechanisms. There's a lot of thought and planning on how to produce an M&M. Okay, how do you make an M? How do you make a Christian? Okay, you got to get a body like that chocolate center. You got more? Oh, you got to have a body. You have to have a soul. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, this is good. Okay, but I, I'm kind of going off the M&M, you know, thing. So, you know, allow me a liberty. But that's an excellent point. How do you make a Christian? Huh? You need a Bible. Okay, you got a person, you got a soul, you got a Bible. Okay. You know, we're going we're gonna to go on to the next slide after this. But, you know, even though... Making Christians, you might think, it's just like an M&M. On the surface, it seems kind of easy. And you know what? There's a lot of very simple, straightforward things there are to become a Christian. Um, and we're going to talk about those a little bit later. But even though that making Christians looks simple, there is a lot of thinking. Just the same as that M&M. There's a lot of thinking and a lot of work that God needs to do with us that go into producing Christians. Okay. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It's, it's an active thing. It's working on our hearts. Okay, I have testimonies for you guys. Three testimonies uh, to, to share with you. And then we're going to hear the testimonies, and then we're going to talk about them. The first testimony is from uh, Mark. Mark Huber. If you can stand up, Mark. Actually, I'm going to give you the... Uh, the microphone. Maybe you can just kind of hold that close. Uh -huh. Put it down on your hook in your pocket. That's 
My dad's an elder and a minister, and I come from a pretty small church, about 21 people. And like I said, I was raised in the church, and uh, every Sunday I went, and um, as I grew older, when I reached about 12 years old, you start to get an idea of what's right and wrong and what God says is right and wrong. And around that time, I started to develop that, and then... When I turned 13, around 13 years old, I started going to church camps, and a lot of you know Pine Valley Eastern Camp and stuff like that, and um, I went for the experience, you know, the fun, it's a lot of fun, a lot of people your age and things like that, and that's when I started realizing that there was something different about a lot of people there than what I was, and that's when I started getting curious about what God wants me to do with my life, and so then I started asking my dad, he's a great resource and everything, because he knows a lot more than I know about God and everything, and so I started asking my dad about what I should be doing, and I just talked to him a lot of times, that's what I encourage a lot of you to do, is just talk to someone who knows about God and about salvation, and ask them about any questions you have, and so I was asking him, lot of questions. We'd meet together and talk about some personal things about my relationship with God and I. He brought me to an understanding that I was missing something very important. And as he showed me more things about in the scriptures about salvation, I began to think about it a lot more. And I could remember night times I would have my own time alone with God just thinking about um, thinking about what I had to do and thinking about what I was missing and God's Holy Spirit really started to work in me and he started taking my heart and just twisting it further and further every night and I went on for years like uh, probably between 13 and 15 I just went insane every night I'd have my own time with God you know and reading the word and Every night, I just realized that, hey, I got to wake up. And the next night, hey, I got to wake up. Hey, I got to wake up. And this is repeating every day. I began to realize just that God was calling me. And the problem was I wasn't responding. And, yeah, you can get on emotional high sometimes and think, okay, yeah, I'm making a commitment today. But it doesn't work that way. There's bit more to it and I can remember God convicting my heart so strongly that at night I would after my time with God just alone and reading the word I would cry myself to sleep because I knew that I was failing and I couldn't make it and that's how I would fall asleep at night just knowing that there's no hope for me and that I know then I would know that tomorrow same thing would happen again and the problem was I wasn't giving my heart to what I was doing there was only surface emotions that were going on in my life and so finally 
uh, about two years ago, I was brought to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I just got on my knees and I prayed for about an hour, just saying, just asking God to take my life and use it as His because I wasn't going anywhere and I couldn't do anything. And I, you have to pray and believe that, some, that God's going to do something with that because without belief, there's nothing. Without faith, there's nothing. So I just prayed, and then the next day, um, God took away my job and because my job was um, distracting me from the spiritual life that I really needed to have. And uh, I, we also started a Bible study on spiritual growth the very next day after I prayed, and um, that's when things just took off because I just finally just put my trust in the Lord and put my faith in the Lord that he would just see me through. And so then, now that I was really seeking with all my heart, he, be, he showed me so many things that summer that I couldn't understand. And he just brought me through understanding and prepared me in ways that I couldn't imagine for a life with God. And finally, um, two years ago at Eastern Camp, I remember it was a Wednesday night, um, I was standing in the back uh, of the auditorium, I think it was after the service, and uh, in my mind, just I know God put it there, God put the question, why not now? Why not start your life now with God? Why not give everything to Him? Why not start seeking? Why not start repentance and restitutions? And I looked at myself, and I looked at my hands, and there was nothing there. There's nothing stopping me, nothing to keep me away from what I had to do. And so right there is when I started, that very night is when I started making restitutions and the real conversion process. And then I was baptized a year later in my church, and God's given me the strength to carry on till now. And it's just an awesome feeling to be at peace with God and to see all the younger kids here and the potential and we just pray that you'll listen to them. So now I would like to call up Mark Varga. Um, those that don't know me, I'm from Windsor, Canada. A um, few of the Canadians might know me. Um, I'm a, a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Like uh, the other brother, Mark, um, my dad's a minister, and so you grow up knowing what you're supposed to do and you behave because if you don't, the preacher's going to get after you. And so you want to behave. I think, but at the same time, you also know because he's a good resource and he explains things to you when you don't understand things about the Bible. And you don't have to be a preacher's kid to have that. Your parents know a good deal, although those are the, that have parents that are Christian, know a good deal about 
what a Christian is and what God requires of people that want to be his children. So I grew up knowing all that. I knew what a Christian was. I, I lived with them. I went to church with them. Uh, and for the most part, I behaved like them. I did most of the things that a Christian does. Okay, I didn't pray out loud in church, and I didn't uh, do, really, that was it. I mean, other than that, I, I sang in the choirs. I, I did everything. I came to church camp. I came to Eastern camp. And I think the first, actually, who, how many here are at Eastern camp for the first time? Put your hands high so I can see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven or eight. Good. I think the first time that I was called that I can remember, I was around your age, and it was at Eastern camp. The sermon was excellent. It, was, it talked about the love of Jesus Christ and the love of God for us as people. And I remember thinking, I want to know God more. I want to become his child. But I wasn't really sure how to because in my mind, I always thought Christian is going to church, praying, doing the things that Christian people do. I didn't know what it was more than that. And I thought, well, what else do I have to do? I, I'm kind of already doing that anyhow. Um, and so I kind of went back home confused. And I didn't really spend a lot of time talking with anybody. I talked to my dad and my mom a little bit just to tell them, hey, I want to become a Christian. And they encouraged me and they were very happy for me. But I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know, I, I didn't know anything, really. I just thought, well, I'll just continue doing what I'm doing and eventually I'll become a Christian because that's the normal thing that Christian people do or those that grew up in a Christian home. And so that was you know, between 13, 14-ish, 15 maybe. And every year I'd come back to Eastern Camp. And every year I'd get that same calling that I want you to become my child, God was telling me. I want you to give your life to me. But I wasn't really sure. I, I didn't know. And, and I stayed behind. I, you know, my friends, they're staying behind, so I should stay behind too. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right, if you want to become a Christian. Stay behind after Inspiration Hour and you talk to somebody. And so... That confusion just continued. And you know what? That continued until I was 20 years old. And when I was 20 years old, I had, I had a couple best friends out in California. And they were getting baptized. They were becoming Christians. And I thought, you know, wow, that, that's great. I am, I am happy for them. That's awesome. They are giving their life to God and they're becoming a Christian. So I wanted to go out there and I wanted to, be in the, to, to watch the baptism and, and to be a part of, of, with them and to be happy with them. And so I went out there. And before we went to the, before that whole weekend was, my whole life, that whole weekend, all of a sudden just got flipped right upside down. And I was on my head and I didn't know what was going on. I just flipped right upside down. On Friday night, we went and had a Bible study at someone's house. And if we were in this group all together as in a Bible study, I was the only one that wasn't a Christian or wasn't going to become a Christian that weekend in the baptism. And someone leaned over to me and nudged me and said, hey, you notice you're the only one that's not a Christian. Well, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. It was, it was like a neon. You are not a Christian. But someone reminded me anyhow. And it was God's spirit through that person's hand. Hey, remember, I'm still here. I still want you to become a Christian. And so the next day on Saturday, uh, or later on the night after the Bible study, we went back to one of their homes just a bunch of us young people and, and most, all of the, the people that were going to be in the baptism the next day. And so we were all talking together. Again, I was the only one that was not a Christian. And they said, well, you know what, just so we're not nervous tomorrow, why don't we give our testimonies to one another? Because, and, and we might not get to hear everybody else's until later on. So they began to share their testimony. 
And man, God just brought down a big hammer on my soul then. Because he said, you know what? You're not a Christian, but I'm giving you the privilege to listen to testimonies of these young souls that I've changed before other Christians get to hear them. That's how special and how much I want you to become my child. I'm going to give you that privilege. And that really hurt me because I was getting this privilege, but yet I couldn't be part of the whole thing. And the next day on Sunday, the sermon, you know what it talked about? It talked about the joy of knowing God and being a Christian. You have joy. And I'll never forget this. This was back in 1990, 91. The sermon and three things that were said that I remember anyhow. I'm sure there was more than three things said. But I only remember three things. A Christian has joy under the load. When things are going tough, when things are, are rotten around you and life is difficult, you still have joy. And a Christian also not only has joy under the load, but has joy in the abode. Is when things are going good, things are nice in your life. A Christian still has that same joy. And then the third thing is, Christians have joy for the road. They know that no matter what happens in the future, because they are with God, they're going to have joy too. So it was across the whole spectrum, joy. And here I was, I was happy for my best friends because they became God's child. But yet I was so ripped up inside because I wasn't a Christian. And I couldn't participate in that joy. And that, that just turned my life upside down. And that is what God used to say, when you get back home, don't just go back to your normal routine of things. Get a hold of someone, whether it's a, a good friend of yours, a, a minister, your dad, another Christian. Get a hold of them and walk with them. Every day, correct, you know, not necessarily every day, but on a regular basis. Ask them things about being a Christian. Ask them what to do next. What should I read? How do, should I pray? What does God require a, of a Christian to do? And so that's what I did. Is I, I went back home with such zeal and fervor to become a Christian that God oh, just opened up the roadways. Every temptation that came along, God, bam, slammed it down. It's out of the way. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Any questions that I had, I'd pray to God for it. All of a sudden, the next day, someone would come, oh, hey, here's the answer you're looking for. Or the minister or the elder or whoever it was that happened to come into my life at that point in time. Prayer is the biggest thing. If you want to become a Christian, pray. Pray for pray out reals to God. Just pour out your heart. And God will always answer that prayer if you're desperate. And, and you diligently seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, like the verse talked about. And so if I can encourage you, when you hear that, and Easter camp is a, is a good time, you know, but it can't stop here. You're going to hear the call of God like little Samuel. And speak, Lord. I hear. I'm listening. What do you need me to do next? And you'll experience like I did, like Brother Mark did, like the other Brother Mark, like Brother Joe, like all the, the Christians that are around you. You'll experience the greatest blessings and joy and, and hope for the future uh, that you can ever experience. Uh, but you got to take the step. And... I encourage you, use Eastern Camp for that. It is the best opportunity to learn about God and to learn what He requires of you. How many of you guys know what happened on July 14th, 1977 at 2 in the morning? What's that? No, I wish. <laughs> yeah, I was. Who said that? You? All right. I was. I was born that night.
I was born July 14, 1977, at 2 in the morning. Let me tell you about myself a little bit. I wasn't a preacher's kid. I don't want to say I was a bad kid, but you know, I probably wasn't a good kid. Do you know what I mean? Hey, Carter, you know what you mean? I'm not saying I was the worst heathen in the world, but I wasn't that good of a kid, all right? I had my moments. And um, I got involved with the wrong crowd, started doing some wrong things, living a life that you wouldn't expect out of a 12-year-old. Oh, I might as well say it. Started doing some bad things. Alcohol was out there. Cigarettes. Marijuana. I didn't do that, but... Alcohol and cigarettes. My sister's over there. She's probably not maybe shocked at that. There were opportunities for a young guy who was involved in sports, hanging with the girls. Uh, just, I was just kind of in my own little world. I lived in a Christian environment, Christian family, and when I went there, boy, I was the best Christian in the world. I'll tell you what, when it was time for prayer or dinner, I prayed. But when I left the house, man, I was in my own little world, living my own little life, doing my own little thing and enjoying it because I can live with myself. As a matter of fact, I enjoy myself pretty much. You'll find me laughing at myself all by myself sometimes, still to this day. Anyway, so I was in that mode of selfishness, what would please me, and I did whatever I wanted to do, irregardless of anybody else. I wasn't doing it because I was intentionally being evil. I was just having fun and enjoying my life. Well, July, 17, July 14th, 1977, at 2 in the morning, that all changed. I got together with a friend from church, and we had planned to camp out that night in a tree fort. How many of you ever heard the story about Zacchaeus in a tree? Well, that's me, Mark in a tree. I love that story because it reminds me of my own life. And I got together with this friend, and we, we camped out in his tree fort in the backyard, and we began to tell each other stories about what we were doing and you know as a young man I really hadn't revealed all my sins to any of my Christian friends to the church guys I had done those things in secret with the guys from school and uh, this was the first time that we began to talk about girls drinking things like this and we were both shocked at each other a little bit and then that night as we were talking about it and we were enjoying it, God began to convict me. A great conviction came upon me that if I continued to do these things, I would end up in a ditch somewhere, a drunk, bum, a wasted life. And that conviction came very heavy on me that I was a sinner and that I was doing sinful things. I had never felt that before. Never. I was ignorant of the sin that I was involved in. And God brought a great conviction upon me and began to cry and ask God to forgive me of my sin that night and knelt down and prayed and said, Lord, this is not the path that you've chosen for me. Please forgive me and create someone new. 
I was born that night. I'll never forget it. That's the night I was born. Born again. Went home, bawling my head off. Now, I was a pretty big guy back then. I looked the same when I was 12 as I do today. So I was like this. <laughs> Mom and Dad, just bawling my head off. I'm a sinner, and I want to be a Christian. Went to my friend's house, bawling in front of his parents. Mom and Dad, we want to be Christians. So I became a Christian. Gave my heart, soul, life to Jesus Christ. I was baptized. At that time, I was, I think, 12 or 13 and I was baptized right when I turned 14 years old. So, you know, I'm 40 now almost, turning 40. And I came into your class, and I looked at you guys, and I go, wow, you guys are so young. You know, I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. But I was your age when I gave my life to Christ. And he rescued me from a life that I don't even want to think about. So to me... That's what being a Christian is all about. And I think these brothers echo the same sentiments. You can do that right now. It's 11.10. Monday morning, Eastern Camp. Ten years from now, you may be given your testimony. It was Monday morning, Eastern Camp, 11.10. I gave my heart to Christ. I asked him to forgive me of my sins repented of those sinful, that sinful life I was living, and I was born again. I hope, my prayer is that, that that would happen to you, that you would allow God to work in your heart. Thank you. Okay. So really what we want to know... Um, not like how do you make an M&M right? How does God make a Christian? Uh, and although they are all very different, I'd like to talk about some of the similarities now of the different marks. Some of the similarities you saw in the different marks' testimonies. So the Lord worked through them. It just took time. I am going to... Do that so we can see this better. So the Lord worked in their hearts. What else? What were some of the similarities? Oh, okay, excellent. Convicted them of the sin? 
Other similarities. Okay, I'll give you some announcements. Other similarities. Oh, you're awful. What a lawyer. Other sim- Come on, what are some of the other similarities? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Someone? Yeah. A couple more things. All baptized. Wow. Why do you get baptized? Yeah, it's a public testimony. It's it's it's, it's something. It's written in scripture, right? Yeah, symbolizes the the death of that old man. Okay, it's not something we just made up. This is all. Um, you know, it's one of those things on how you know how do you become a Christian, right? Well, we had testimonies. We have to pick up all the M and M's on the floor before we leave. Um, we had testimonies here. Mark said at 2 in the morning on the 14th of July, July okay, at 2 in the morning, he became a Christian. Okay? But, you know, are, is there such a thing as an instant Christian? Just add water? You know, whoop. Yeah? There is. But does it stop there? Can you just, oh, I'm a perfect Christian. You know, whoop. Okay, there's a lot to it. There's, you know, we have examples from Jesus being baptized. He was baptized for our example. So we become baptized as a public testimony. What are some of the other things that are, are more of the work? Remember how hard it was to make an M&M? Some of the work that goes into making an M&M? What are some of the other things that go into work, into making a Christian? The hardest thing is working on the heart. Hardest thing is working on the heart. Let's do something here, right? Oh, I gotta go through the whole thing. Boom, 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 boom. Let me make a question. Mark, mark, and mark. Okay. Um. Okay, this lawyer thing. This is the hardest. Thing. You know, if there. Oh. You know what? You typically, you come to a forum, you come to class, you go out of the class, and what do you remember? Yeah, I'll be lucky if you remember M&M's. I'll be lucky, okay? You'll be lucky if you can re- rem- remember these things, these things on the, that you see right now, right? Okay, a couple things. Number one, 
You need to read the Bible, and you need to take action. Okay? I don't think one of these brothers here could say that they don't read the Bible. Matter of fact, I was uh, curious. I thought to myself, you know, do you really need to read the Bible as a Christian? I was just thinking about this because there's a lot of work. You know, you're reading through the Bible, and sometimes, we discussed in our morning class this morning, you read and you just don't understand what it says. Okay? But indeed, you know, when you go back and you look at all the times in Scripture where it talks about reading the Word, and how many times Jesus said, you should know this, Pharisees. You should know what it says. You should know about me. You should know about God. Well, how would they know? Well, he expected that they read the Word. Okay? So, reading the Bible is a key. What else is a key? Take an action. How many know the song, I Like the Bible? I like the Bible. I like the Bible. Do you know it? Nobody knows it? I read it and I do it. Who knows it? You know it? I read it and I do it. Okay. I was hoping to get like five people to sing it with me. Okay? Uh, but the key to that song is that I read it and I do it. Okay? If In James it says, if you're a reader of the Word and you don't know it, if you hear the Word but you don't do it, nothing. Okay? Read the Bible. Take action. Okay. I have in big letters here, don't be a lawyer. So I'm going to talk about that, talk about this stuff, and talk about this again. Okay? A lot of times, we read the Bible. We read the Bible with a critical eye. We read the Bible so that we can have all this knowledge in our head so that we can know what to do and what not to do by the letter of the law. Okay? And then... When your parents say, take out the trash, you can say, well, that's not in the Bible. I don't have to do it. Okay? I mean, it's almost that silly. They can say, you're not going out of the house with that dress on. Your pants are hanging way too low. Oh, no, it's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. I don't need to do it. You're a lawyer. Lawyers are in the business of splitting hairs. You know, of all the people in the Bible that Jesus had the biggest problem with, who were they? The Pharisees. And what were they doing? What did they do that made him so angry? Huh? A bunch, yeah, they're bringing a bunch of lawyers. They were splitting these hairs. They were saying, well, you know, I'm allowed to... Um, you know, I, I tithe, I do all this other thing, but, you know, my parents, there's one instance, my parents are at home and um, they need money, but I don't have to give them that money because I give that money to church. I don't take care of my parents, I'm going to take care of the church, the temple. Um, Jesus is angry at that because that attitude is so against what God teaches, about what the Word of God teaches, Okay? There were two laws. Jesus said, if you did those two things, if you love God, just remember those two things. You know those two laws, right? If you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself, if you do those two things only, that's all you take. Well, part of loving God, part of loving your parents is, you know what? If they are, if your parents have a concern, and I'm saying this because I know that this is a group of young people. Some of you are Christians, some of you are not, but if you become Christians at a young age, You've got to deal with your parents. And there's a lot of things that your parents may or may not do that may 
you know, get you kind of riled up sometimes, a lot of times you're going to have to fight that temptation to be a lawyer and to split hairs and to do it your way. Okay? Crucify your own desire. Galatians 2.20 says, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Okay? It's not me. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not about you. It's about how are you letting your light shine, God's light shine through you, crucifying your own desires, submitting to God. Okay? They counseled. They talked to their dads. They talked to the ministers. They talked to knowledgeable people about becoming a Christian. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to people and, you know, they say a lot of the right words. I want to be a Christian. I've given my life over to Christ. And, you know, I look in their life and I, I kind of say, I hear what you're saying with your lips. You're saying, I want to be a Christian. And you're saying you are a Christian. I, they say, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Christ. But then as we talk some more, there are some deep things that they just don't want to let go. And, you know, my parents just don't understand. Or, or those people, they just, they're just like that, you know. And so I can't do this. They don't have a godly heart. Okay? So with their lips, they talk about it. But they're not. They're not. And I don't want to give them the illusion that there are because their actions aren't following what they're, they're, they're professing. So counsel. Because your counselors, your fathers, they can help you. Read. You've got to read the Word. And I don't care if you just read a verse a day. But you've got to understand it. Read it and do it. Read it and think it. Read it. Maybe you have to write it. But get something out of a verse a day, maybe. Not that that's all you ever read, but at least that. You've got to pray. You know, unless you pray, unless you're you're communicating with God and you got to submit you got to submit it says fear God keep his commandments um, you know if you're doing your own thing if you're doing your own thing to your parents or to your friends or you're just you're just going and doing what you well, how do you expect that you're going to do God's thing when he's asking you to do things you know you got to submit to the uh, authority structure, if you would, uh, of your home. You got rules and laws in your house, right? You got to submit to those. Not because, well, your dad's going to beat you, but because that God wants it that way. He set forth those things in the scripture. And why did he do that? Because he knows better. He knows that when you're young, you don't know as much as when you're older. And then when you're really old, you know a lot. Okay. Um, the end of the forum. Any questions? Any thoughts? Okay. Those who would like some M&Ms can come up. Please, though, if there are some on the floor, pick them up because we don't want to make a mess in the room. And don't be greedy. Thank you.